0: Scripture today comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Now Jesus was praying at a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived from a journey. I have nothing to set before him and he will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence he will arise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receive, asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Imagine that you are a disciple. And you've got three years with Jesus. Okay, you don't know that it's going to be three, but you've got a long time with Jesus. You're traveling with him. And you could ask him anything. Like, you could ask Jesus whatever you wanted. Okay, and only a couple times did the disciples really ask Jesus questions. I, I would have a few. All right, Like, Jesus, this whole walking on water thing. Like, how did you do that? That would be super cool. Right? I want to do that. Jesus, how about that water into wine thing? Like, that would be great for parties. That would save me some money. Like, what about water to wine? Maybe if I was a little more generous, I might think about the healing. Like, Jesus, how about the healing? I could maybe heal somebody else. But really, it would be the walking on the water thing for me. I think that would be super cool. But do you know what the disciples asked Jesus about? They've only asked Jesus a couple questions, and one of the questions they ask him is, Jesus, tell us about your prayer life. Teach us how to pray the way you do the way John taught his disciples. Isn't that a strange question? Like, do we often think about the prayer life of Jesus? How many of you have ever really thought about the prayer life of Jesus? Right? And yet, in the disciples look at Jesus, they don't ask him about walking on water, they don't ask him about miracles, they don't ask, what they ask him is, Lord, will you teach us to pray like you pray? Isn't that a fascinating question? What was it about the prayer life of Jesus that got them so interested? So today I want to explore a little bit the prayer life of Jesus. What was the prayer life of Jesus like? And we have two kind of ways to talk about it. One is we actually can say a fair amount about what Jewish prayer was like in the first century. So we're going to talk about that. And then we can talk a little bit about how Jesus' prayer life was different. So one of the traditions that come out of the Old Testament is that in the morning and the evening there was a certain prayer that Jews would pray. It's called the Shema. Okay, have you ever heard of this? When I read it, you will have heard of it. Okay, it's called Shema because the first word is here. That's just the Hebrew word for Shema. Okay, it says from Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Here's the part you'll know. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. The idea was, in the morning and the evening... You prayed the Shema. In fact, in in rabbinic literature, you didn't even pray the Shema. You recited the Shema. The language is not prayed the Shema. You recited. So when you started your day, and when you ended the day, you recited, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. So in, in Jewish prayer, we know that twice a day, they prayed this prayer, recited this prayer, by the first century, it was just expected. You did this. Now, there's another tradition where you would pray multiple times a day. In fact, in those days, there were, there were hours. There were certain times that were sort of marked throughout the day. There were eight days, or eight times throughout the day, but there were three major ones. Morning, what's called noontime, which at that time was really more closer to about three o'clock in the afternoon, and then evening. Morning, noontime, and evening. And the expectation was you stop three times to pray. If you've ever been in a, in a Muslim country or a country with a lot of Muslims in it, a lot of times you will hear uh, something on a loudspeaker reminding them to pray three times a day. Okay? They still do it in Muslim cultures. They still do it in uh, Jewish culture. They don't do it in a lot of Christian cultures. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But the, the idea was three times a day you stop to pray. The, the prayers, they were actually associated with the three times of major sacrifices at the temple. There would be a, a big sacrifice to start out the day at the temple. Then there would be about a three o'clock afternoon uh, time sacrifice. If you remember, that's about when Jesus died on the cross. And then there'd be a close of the day um, uh, sacrifice. Okay, the, the prayers were called the Tefillah. So you had the Shema and then you had the Tefillah. And uh, the Tefilah was like these benedictions you would do in the morning, at the noontime, and at the evening. We see these crop up a couple times in the Old Testament. Psalm 55 says, Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. Okay, that doesn't just mean, you know, throughout the day, those are specific times. Okay, the middle of the day, the morning, and the evening, I let out my concern. Daniel 6 says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, it was a document saying that you could only pray to King Nebuchadnezzar. He went to his house. He went to the upper chamber of the house. He got on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks, as he had done previously. So in the book of Daniel, when he's not allowed to pray to anybody but Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel gets in trouble because his prayers are so regimented, his enemies know when he's going to be praying and they can bust him for doing it. Daniel prayed, Three times a day. Now, in the time of Jesus, in the first century, the uh, Tefillah and the Shema seem to have sort of merged traditions. Okay, So what you would do is in the morning and the evening, you would pray the Shema and the Tefillah. Okay? That would be in the morning and then the evening. And then in the afternoon, you would just pray the, te- the Tefillah. So the, the two traditions sort of come together and were part of the daily prayer life of Jews in the first century. They would have had other prayers, too, that Jesus would have known. Uh, Like the Psalms. They had a lot of Psalms. Um, For example, there are 15 Psalms of Ascent that were spoken on your way to Jerusalem, or more often, sung on your way to Jerusalem. You can read them in Psalms 120 to 134 in your Bible. They're probably labeled Psalms of Ascent. And they have themes. Like, here's how Psalm 122 starts. I was glad when we said, let us go to the house of the Lord. That's the temple. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city bound firmly together to which the tribes go up. So these were songs that you sung on your way up to the temple. Okay, um, Jesus would have known other prayers too, like prayers for washing your hands, prayers for going to bed, prayers for entering the temple or the synagogue. And we're told in Luke 2 and in Luke 4 that Jesus came from a devout home, which means that Jesus would have prayer, prayed a lot of these prayers. Um, in, in fact, we could probably say, w- without a lot of question, that every day of Jesus' life, in the morning he played the t- prayed the Tefillah and the Shema, in the afternoon he prayed the, sh- the, the Tefillah, and in the evening he prayed both sets again. We know he got up and prayed uh, at sunrise in Mark 1.3. After feeding the 5,000, Jesus goes up to pray for the evening prayers. He prayed all night several times, including right before he selected his 12 disciples, according to Luke 6. So he prayed the evening prayers all the way into the morning prayers. Okay, While Jesus was talking with a scribe, in Luke 10, he asks the scribe, What's the greatest commandment? And what does the man say? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Right. He quotes the Shema. When Jesus is asked, What is the greatest commandment? He quotes what? The Shema. So we know Jesus knew the Shema. Okay? Um, Some of the language that Jesus used of the God of our fathers, the God of Abraham, the Lord of heaven and earth, if you read Mark 12, a lot of that language he's using is right out of the Tefillah. I mean, we can say pretty sure Jesus prayed these prayers. We even know that he sang a Passover hymn with his disciples in the upper room the night he was betrayed. We we, we don't often think of Jesus praying, even less we think of Jesus singing. But he would have sang these psalms of ascent. He would have sang the Passover song. Some of his prayer life was singing. But of course, all of that, though it's unfamiliar to us, would have been very familiar to his disciples, who probably all also prayed those prayers. That's not really that unique. None of that would have actually stood out to the disciples because they prayed those prayers too. They knew those prayers too. So, so the bigger question is, what about the prayer life of Jesus went beyond these prayers that they would actually ask him about it? Well, let's, let's, take a, let's think through this passage where Jesus is answering this question. Okay, the first line of the passage says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now you could read that to say, well, Jesus was somewhere, you know, like a generic place. But the Greek word here is like certain, like he was at this place. Like Mark doesn't, Luke doesn't tell us what the place was, but Jesus sort of had this certain place he would go to. And he did this a lot of times. Jesus was often going off somewhere to pray. In Luke 9, he goes up the mountain to pray with Peter, James and John. That's where the transfiguration happens. Uh, He loved to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. He goes there several times. One of his favorite prayer spots. He often disappears to pray by the Sea of Galilee. In fact, if you follow through in the Gospels, Jesus seems to like mountains, gardens, and water for prayer. I was thinking about this a lot as I went out to the San Juan Islands, because I was in a lot of those places. I was on mountains, and I was on waters, and I was in gardens. And uh, it does sort of inspire you to pray. While we were out there, we, we hiked up a mountain, we went out on a boat, and we, we walked along some beautiful beaches and in, in some, some beautiful places, and... Uh, in the town, there's, a, there's a, a prayer labyrinth where you sort of walk and pray. But it's right next to the, uh, the sound on Orca's Island. It's just gorgeous, very peaceful. We were down there on Sunday morning, so we did our own little prayer time there. So Jesus liked to go to certain places. One of the things that, uh, that uh, Leonard Sweet, that I saw when I was out there, one of the things he likes to say is that we sometimes need to come apart from the world. So we don't come apart. We come apart so we don't come apart. Right? We, we get away from stuff so that we don't fall apart. Where is your certain place? Where do you go to pray? Where do you go to get away, to, be, to come apart so you don't fall apart? It's interesting, too, that this word certain actually has another sort of meaning in English, right? That's not in the text, but I think is worth pondering, right? Right? A certain place where you can be certain, right? Certain can also mean sure. I mean, I know a lot of people right now are really struggling because they feel really unsure about where life is and what's happening. Well, where's your certain place? Where's the certain place you go to feel certain? So I, I think one of the things that stands out about the prayer life of Jesus' disciples is how he's always going to certain places to seem to find certainty. And I, and I have news for everybody in here. If Jesus, if Jesus Christ needed to leave and go somewhere to pray so he didn't fall apart, he needed to refill, I'm willing to bet you need to also. Okay, willing to bet if Jesus needed it, I probably need it like five times as much. (laughs) Okay, Um, so where is your certain place that you pull away from when you're feeling unsure and you need to feel close to God again? So, Jesus goes to a certain place, but he also gives these disciples certain content for prayer. He gives them this thing called, called the Lord's Prayer. Now, I did a sermon on this a couple of years ago. I don't want to get too bogged down. In fact, a lot of times people get so focused on the Lord's Prayer in this passage, they miss some of these other insights. But, but I, I want to the, the nice thing about Luke's version is it's shorter. Did you all notice that? It's much shorter. There's no ending in either gospel that has this prayer because the Christians wrote that later. But it was much more simple, and, and, um, and I'm not sure it was necessarily meant to be recited the way we do it. I think maybe Jesus was giving more of a model of prayer or a, uh, an outline of prayer, of some of the elements of prayer that we should be using. So let, me just, let me just make a couple notes for you. He starts with the word Father. Okay? He starts with the word Father, and it's really the, Arabic, the, the Aramaic word Abba. It's a very personal description of, God, of Father. Okay. you didn't call just anybody father. You called your father father. Okay, uh, it, it's almost more akin. People make too much of this, but it's a little closer to daddy or papa than it really is father. Okay, that, that Jesus would be so personal in his prayer—that's not in the Shema. Okay, that's not in the Tefillah. This personal prayer—he starts with praising God. Hallowed be your name. Your name was who you are. It was your identity. So he's saying to God, the very essence of who you are is holy. Your kingdom come. Jesus is really big into the kingdom of God. That's hard for us because we don't live in a kingdom. You might think of the monarchy of God, the rule of God, the governance of God, the authority of God. Jesus says, your authority come. Your rule come. Implied in that is, not my rule. (laughs) Right? Implied in that is, lay your rule, not my. How many of our prayers are about my rule? Lord, Lord, may my kingdom come. Okay, may my will be done. Um, no. May yours. Give us each day our daily bread. Daily bread is not lots of bread, it's just today's bread, everybody. Daily bread is not fancy bread. In those days, if you wanted to eat, you, you almost had to have bread every day, and bread wouldn't keep. There's no fridge, there's no Ziploc bags, everybody. So you had, if you wanted bread for the day, you had to make it every day. And you would keep a little bit back, okay, so that you had some yeast, then have a starter for the next day. But every day, every morning, most Jewish households and other households in that part of the world, you baked your bread for the day. And so Jesus isn't, you know, this is not, give me lots of bread. Give me, give me storehouses of bread. No, take care of my daily, take care of getting me through today. Notice here also that the prayer is plural. Give us this day our daily bread. We have made prayer so personal. And you should pray personally. Okay, Jesus went off by himself to pray all the time. But prayer is ultimately a corporate act. It's ultimately something that even when you do it in your certain place, you're still doing it as part of our community and we're doing together. And we've, we've lost some of our essence of that essence of corporate prayer. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those indebted to us. Sometimes we say sins, sometimes we say trespasses, sometimes we say debts. Doesn't really matter. It's all the same concept of we have messed up, we have fallen short, we owe God, and God's forgiven us. And so, Lord, we we, we please forgive me, but also help me to forgive other people. And sometimes the hardest person to forgive is who yourself i know lots of people can forgive all kinds of people that can never seem to forgive themselves but if christ has forgiven you then maybe you should forgive yourself too and lead us not in temptation lord i'm trusting you to lead so please lead me to the right places the assumption here is lord you're going to lead me lead me in the right places see so the early church took this prayer and what basically happened was it became the shema for the christians everybody following that we started reciting it, and it needed a little longer ending, so they added the, For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever. That wasn't in the original one. But they made it sort of this formal prayer that Christians would pray. So Christians didn't pray the Shema, they didn't pray the Tefillah, especially as the church became non-Jewish, as there became more and more Gentiles involved. And then the other thing I think that happened was, so we used to pray three times a day, in the morning, kind of middle of the day, in the evening. And I, I think one thing that happened was, we started eating three meals a day, right? Nobody in the first century ate three meals a day. That's ridiculous. You didn't have that kind of food. You didn't have that kind of money. But as people started eating three meals a day, you know what happened? Christians started praying at breakfast and lunch and dinner. And so breakfast, lunch, and dinner became the new morning, noontime, and evening. And we sort of lost this idea of daily prayer in a lot of our traditions. And we replaced it with grace. And I'm not sure we gained a lot when we did that. So Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, and he's he's giving them this method of prayer. He's sort of modeling for them this idea of a certain place. Um, But but I also think he's trying to get, and we we often miss this part of the passage, which is a much longer passage after the prayer, where he's trying to set up a certain perspective on who God is. So, So for Jesus, one of the most important parts of prayer is how you approach prayer. What's your view of God when you pray? Is it that He's a he's, that He's a mean friend and neighbor that's not going to give you anything in the middle of the night? Okay. Is it a cruel? Is God a cruel father that when you ask Him for an egg, He gives you a scorpion? When you ask for a fish, He gives you a snake? No. Is He is He a loving God, a, a caring father? Like if friends will do stuff for other friends just out of duty and not out of love, then how much more will God want to answer your prayers? That's a certain perspective on prayer where where I see God as good and loving and I approach him in a much more personal, emotionally vulnerable, and intellectually honest way. And that, I think, is the biggest difference between the prayer life of Jesus and the prayer life of a lot of other people in in the first century. I think that's probably what stood out to the disciples the most. It wasn't just that he prayed all these other prayers and then he would pray off by himself. But that his prayers were so personal and honest. If you think it was just the Lord's Prayer, then why did he do that all night? Right? Like, like the Lord's Prayer takes 30 seconds. Jesus prayed all night. He didn't just pray the Lord's Prayer all night. He had these deep conversations with God. Okay, this wrestling with God, he gets so emotional in prayer, he sweats drops of blood. Okay, that, that's a personal prayer. That, that's a deep, emotional, connected, emotionally connected prayer. And the disciples, more than anything in the ministry of Jesus, they said, hey Lord, will you teach us that? So maybe we should follow their example and really think about the prayer life of Jesus. So here's a couple questions for you. Where's your certain place? Where do you got to pray to be close to God? Where do you come apart so you don't come apart? What are your elements of prayer? Like if we held up the Lord's Prayer as, a, as sort of an outline of prayer, how many of them are you hitting on a regular basis in your prayer life? And how many are you just praying your will be done and your will be done, not God's will, and that's your prayer life? Okay? How many of your prayers are just basically grace-oriented? In other words, meal-oriented? And... Or, or just a quick help me God prayer instead of really taking the time to be with God. And what's your perspective when you pray? Is God a friend and a father ready to answer or a cruel bully handling, handing out snakes and scorpions? What kind of God you're praying to changes your prayer life dramatically. To end our, our uh, sermon, I thought the only way to do this was to pray the Lord's Prayer. If if some of you may notice, I skipped it at the earlier part. I'm I'm not forgetful. I did on purpose. We're going to pray it here. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. But here's what I'm going to ask us to do. This is really hard. I want us to really slow it down. Okay, we're going to slow it down and be a little more intentional with the words. I'll try to follow it. You try to follow me. I'll try to lead you a little bit. But let's pray the Lord's together a, a little more slowly and a little more thoughtfully. Okay, let's bow. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us.